Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, folks, Yesperi Kotkaniemi's rent is due. And uh, for our listeners from Quebec, Le Lier de Yesperi Kotkaniemi est due. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. Uh, you will hear both Matt and Alex on this podcast. We are actually doing a little bit of a split thing right now. Uh, right now it is me and Alex, and a little bit it will be me and Matt, and we are just going to put them together because scheduling and whatnot. So we are in the midst of a five-day break for your Carolina Hurricanes. Um, it's been a little weird. We got two games, and now we're just kind of sitting here waiting. <laughs> we got a little bit of, te- of a teaser of the season to come. Um and now we're just kind of sitting here twirling our thumbs, waiting for some more hockey to be played. Uh, but we do have a very interesting game tomorrow night. Uh, or, hell, by the time you guys hear this, it might have already been played, depending on when we get this out. Uh, so we're going to look ahead a little bit to that and just talk about what we've seen so far. So, Alex, where would you like to start this week? Who, What has been the thing that, for the first two games, uh, has stuck out to you the most? Um, I've definitely been very impressed with the defense as a whole. Um, I think I think there's been a lot of impressive performances from basically each individual on the back end. Um, you know, obviously we're used to what guys like Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci bring on a nightly basis, but with such a big overhaul over the off season, you know, we all had we all had kind of our hope of what guys like Ian Cole and Ethan Ethan Bear would provide. Um, but it was nice to see them in action. Um, I, I definitely. I've been impressed with all of the newcomers on defense, um, including Tony D'Angelo. Um, you know, I, I think he's added a quite a dynamic presence to the top power play unit where, you know, I kind of describe Dougie Marks, uh, Dougie Hamilton as more of a stationary marksman. Um, but, you know, D'Angelo, he's got, he's got great movement and um, he, he's a great puck mover as well. He's got good vision. Uh, he, he's, he's hard and crisp with his passes and he, he just gets the puck in dangerous areas. So it's, it's been, it's been a bit of a difference um, compared to what we were used to last year, but I think TDA has been a big threat in the power play beyond him. Um, Ian Cole, I've liked what he's provided. I, I think he's been really stable. Um, he's got a little bit of rugged presence to him as we were hoping he would provide. Um, and, you know, you barely notice him out there, which is exactly what you want from a guy like that. And then with Ethan bear, I mean, I, I can't say enough about the kid. I just, 
he, he almost reminds me of Jake Gardner with his stretch passing, um, which was a big area of concern for the Hurricanes dating back to last year. And I had, I had a lot of questions about how would they would be able to move the puck in transition, um, especially without Gardner in the lineup. You know, they moved Jake Bean. Um, they moved on from Dougie Hamilton. So that, that was a lot of your, that was a lot of the offense, really the offensive backbone of your defense. Um, and, you know, you move on from those three guys, all of a sudden you've got a lot of questions to answer. And I think Ethan Bear has been, you know, very, very solid. Um, obviously playing alongside a guy like Jacob Slavin, kind of makes the transition easier because we all know what Slavin can do. Right. Um, but I mean, Ethan Bear, I, I just think his upside's phenomenal, as we've said. Um, and I, I've been really impressed with him and the defense as a whole through two games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on the power play, you know, movement without the puck is such an underrated talent. And I think Tony D'Angelo is very, very good at that. Um, it, it just seems like the flow of the power play is so much better. And <laughs> That's not a knock on Dougie. Like, I don't know that the Hurricanes are one of the best power plays in the league last year. Like, so it, it's not saying that one's better than the other. It's just very different. You know, like you were saying, like, Dougie is like gravitational pull of the defense. Like, you had to pay attention to him. So he was always would open things up for other players. Whereas D'Angelo opens things up for other guys by his passing ability, by his vision, by his movement without the puck that puts so much more stress on a defensive penalty kill than one that's, you know, very stationary. So you definitely have to be pleased with the on ice returns you've gotten from um, Tony D'Angelo so far and the rest of the defense, to your point. Um, Slavin and Pesci are both at a point of game paces right now. Love that. So they're helping to step up for some of the offensive, uh, you know, that they've lost without Dougie Hamilton. It, it was always going to be a group effort. You know, it was never going to be Tony yeah. D'Angelo is going to be the guy that's going to replace Dougie Hamilton's offense. That's just not realistic. So it was always going to take everybody stepping up. And again, you got to love the early returns on that. Yeah. Um, I'm at the point now too, where I think I'm ready to see Ethan bear on the second power play unit. I mean, yeah, as, as a whole, that, that unit has been a little underwhelming and it, it's, it's just not good enough because you look at the talent on that unit and like they, that unit man is, it's just as talented as some teams first units. So, I mean, definitely has potential. It, yeah, it's it's not a knock on Brett Pesci or anything. You know how we all feel about the player. I just I, I don't think he's naturally I, I, I just don't think he's a natural fit to right. be running a power play. You know, like he doesn't he was have there last year. IQ to move the puck effectively. Like he's yeah. know, it just seems like he's kind of a stopper and he, he shoots the puck pretty much every time he touches it almost. And, you know, it, it's like with D'Angelo, like he moves the puck around. He gets all that talent on that unit looks, whereas Pesci just he just doesn't really have that skill set. Yeah, and I've seen a lot from Ethan Bear that I, I think he's worthy of a chance in that role. I mean, he's got great vision. Um, his passing has been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, I've, been, I've been very impressed with his puck movement, and he's trigger happy. He loves to shoot the puck. I mean, he gets the puck into dangerous areas. Right. He's got a good release. He's got a good shot. So I think it's only a matter of time before maybe even we can see Ethan Bear alongside Pesci on the power play unit, you know, maybe have both of them out there if Rod isn't comfortable with, you know, leaving Bear out there on his own, kind of like Jake Bean last year. But uh, I wouldn't I really have you'd be like that. Like, yeah, I, I, uh, I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't have that issue either um, because, you know, beyond just the puck movement and stuff, Barry, he, he's held up really good. well. Yeah, really well defensively. Um, his, his positioning is just phenomenal. But um, yeah, I, 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely ready for um, a little Ethan Bear action on the second power play unit. Yeah, totally agree with you there. Um, and all right, before we move on to the forwards and talk about, there's definitely a few guys we need to talk about there. Um, let's talk about Freddie Anderson a little bit. Um, I thought in the first game, he didn't, any of the three goals were not really on him. Like the defense wasn't great on pretty much all of them. And it seemed like a bad bounce every single time. You know, they had that one that was banked off of them where Shea and Pesci kind of got in no man's land and were just kind of puck watching um, yeah. after, was it Lee that cut across the net or no Brock Nelson cut across the net and got his own rebound and banked it off Anderson. Um, and then he had another one where he was sticking the shot to the corner pretty good rebound control on that one, but it hit Shea and laid down right in front of the net and turned into an easy goal there too. So a couple of bad bounces. The bigger concern with me was his overall rebound control. He seemed like he was fighting the puck a little bit, but then in game two, Hurricanes go right back to him and he just absolutely stood on his head in Nashville and really won the Hurricanes that game that they probably didn't have any business being in because, you know, it was kind of night and day, the difference between the first game where the Hurricanes were just locked in and looked fantastic against a very, very good opponent. And then the second game just seemed like a little bit of a letdown where they maybe overlooked Nashville a little bit or something. I don't know, but they just didn't have the same wheels that they did in that first game. Uh, Frederick Anderson definitely kept them in the game to me. Yeah. um, You know, I agree with you. And I think, I think watching Freddie Anderson throughout the first two games, I, I, I really started to understand why um, the hurricanes were comfortable with moving on from, both Morozik and Nedeljkovic, I mean, the first thing that you notice when you see Anderson in net is how huge he is. Like, he is considerably bigger than both both Morozik and Nedeljkovic. I mean, he is just very, very large in net. And you, you kind of don't have the, the, the same size issues that I know some of it can be overstated. But it's just you have a guy who fits the prototype of what teams covet in goaltenders. And beyond just that, I think his poise in net is, is also just a different level of what we've seen in Hurricanes uh, in the Hurricanes' crease lately. I just feel like watching him, he just looks and he just looks so in control and that he believes he's so in control. And it's just it's it's very refreshing to watch because a guy like that who has spent so much time as a starter in this league, knows what he can and can't do out there, knows what, where, and what, like when and when he shouldn't overcompensate. And I, I agree with you. I think he definitely looked like he was moving a little better in the second game. But, I mean, he's just a guy who has so much potential behind. A lot is made out about how good the Hurricanes' defense is, but they do give up a lot of high-danger chances. Um well, it's because of the style. They're so aggressive that it kind of lends itself to odd man rushes and, you know, breakdowns. On yeah, them. yeah, for sure. And I I think with a guy like Anderson back there, a man who, you know, a lot was made out um, about, was he on a decline? Like that, my biggest issue with, uh, with him was, is this a player who has already played his best hockey and with the injury problems and stuff that's come up and how much, um, how, like, how heavily the Leafs, Right. Really relied on him and ridden into the ground, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. I just wondered if this was a guy who was just he, he was just cooked. You know what I mean? But I mean, early returns are very good. And we, we got to remember, it's very small sample size. Obviously, you got to take that in. And I'd still like to see what anti rant has got. But um, yeah, as far as early returns go, I mean, I, I think he's fit the bill tremendously. And it, it, it kind of paints a clearer picture of why the Hurricanes wanted to move in this direction. 
Right. And, you know, I was, I was actually talking to one of my Leafs mutuals um, during the first game. Uh, Peter, I think it was during the first. Yeah, it was the first. Yeah. Game. Peter Morazic was in net for the Leafs and Anderson was in net for us. <laughs> we were just kind of, you know, talking about the stylistic differences and stuff like that. And it really is like they're polar opposites, you know, like it's almost like Peter Morazic is like Red Bull <laughs> and Frederick Anderson is like Valium. <laughs> and that's actually <laughs> I kind of stole that comparison from Dexter. I don't know if anybody that's listening has watched that TV show, but I, that popped in my head. Anyway, um, it is like, you know, he's so calm and very positionally sound and he just uses his size so well, whereas Morazic is a smaller guy and he's just a tornado in the net, basically, you know, moving all over the place, attacking shooters and going out of his net, you know, all kinds of stuff. So it's, it's definitely been a little bit of a culture shock going from a goalie like that to now we have this guy that's very, very poised, very calm, going to stay in his net, going to, you know, do the little things right. And you hope that behind a defense like the Hurricanes, uh, we see a lot more games like we did against Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Nadelkovich was a lot of the same as Mirazik, right. right? Where these guys are just, just very aggressive goaltenders. And, um, you know, uh, I hate to see Mirazik get injured again. I think it's, it might be another long-term thing, man, but it's just, uh, his luck, his luck in recent years has just been awful. Um, obviously hope for the best for him. And, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think, um, the hurricanes got to be happy with, with, with their moves in that so far. I think, you know, you've seen, you've seen some struggles from, from Nadelkovich in Detroit. I mean, their first game, they were winning 6-3 with a, barely over five minutes left in the game. They end, they end up losing 7-6 in overtime. And, you know, he's made a couple mistakes there. But no matter what, he was going to regress. It was going to be, yeah. even like you said, a culture shock, going from a team who defends and is as well-structured as the Hurricanes to a team like Detroit, where they're, they're still trying to figure out what they are in the league. They've got a mix very of young defense. Yeah. Very yeah, They got a mix of a lot of youth and a lot of kind of just like plug in veterans. You know what I mean? It's just, right. it's uh it's going to be, it's definitely going to be a grind and, you know, obviously we hope for the best for Nadelkovich there, but um, yeah, it just circles back to uh, you, you got to appreciate how, how much experience the hurricanes have in their net now and um, the upside of it moving forward. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk about some forward stuff a little bit. I know you're uh, going to have to hop out here in a second. So stay tuned because very shortly it'll be me and Matthew Soma. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as the forwards go, uh, I think two guys have really been carrying the torch for the Hurricanes so far. And one of them, well, both of them, actually, you know, you, you in one case, he's coming off a little bit of a down year and kind of got a big contract extension. And then the other, he's coming off of very injury-riddled year where he barely saw time. But these guys are two mainstays in the Hurricanes forward core and, you know, guys that they're definitely relying on if they're going to reach their potential and compete for a Stanley Cup this year. And that's Andre Sveshnikov and Tavo Teravainen. Um, I think both of those guys have been pretty much – a you know, storybook start to the season. You know, you couldn't really script it any better as far as how good those two have looked. They definitely don't look like any of their lingering, you know, maybe doubts or effects from last year's, you know, struggled seasons for different reasons. Ooh, good rhyme there. Nice. <laughs> but uh, I definitely think that those two guys have come out and just been absolutely what the doctor ordered for the Hurricanes. Yeah, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of myself because if you remember back to last year too, yeah, Mr. Um, started great. The first 15 games, he was absolutely on fire. Yeah. Oh, man. Like, when, when the season started last year, the way Sveshnikov was playing, I was like, man, like, this kid has arrived. There's just there's just nobody that can stop him if he's playing like this. 
Right. And then we kind of see how the season unfolded. It didn't quite go, you know, it, it definitely trended the opposite way. And we saw glimpses of what we hope he can be. Um, but it was just not very consistent last year. And now, you know, two games in, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, this guy just looks unstoppable. Like um, I've been comparing him to, to Marion Hosa uh, from my Senators days um, when he when he played in Ottawa, man, he was a fan favorite. And there was a lot of comparables that scouts had uh, for him as well. And I think that it, it's, it's just a great comparable. It really fits. I mean, these guys can skate really well for big guys. Um, there's just, there's not a lot of guys that can overpower them physically, especially when they're dialed in. And I mean, man, just the, the confidence that Svechnikov plays with, I mean, when he's got the puck, no matter where he is on the ice, he, he doesn't believe that there's a single player that can stop him. He just, when he gets the puck, his train of thought is get it to the best position to make a dangerous scoring chance or just take it right to the net or, you know, there's just nobody that can stop him. And he believes that there's nobody that can stop him. And, you know, when he's really consistently using his size and his physicality to his advantage, especially along the wall, uh, I mean, he's just, he's just a nightmare. And there's not many players in this league that can match up against a guy like that, especially, you know, especially when he's got talent like Aho and Taravine and even add caught I mean, whoever else is going to be playing alongside into that mix. I mean, it's just brutal to play against. Absolutely. And he, uh, to me, he looks a little bit more explosive this year. Like his skating. He does. Looks he does. So explosive and he's just getting on guys in a hurry and with his hands and shooting ability and just hockey sense in general, like, it's such a difficult package to defend and it's just been a lot of fun to watch him his first two games. If he can keep this up, man, I mean, well, we've said it all along. The sky's the limit for this kid. He looks like he could li- literally be one of the best players in the league right now. Um, and Tara Vinen, you know, he, he's kind of like the hurricanes quiet superstar, right? Like so much of what he yeah. does goes unnoticed and, you know, Aho, Sveshnikov, so many other guys get all the attention, but it's just like, every time you look up, he's making a smart play and just, doing so many little things right. And now he's shooting the puck a little bit, apparently. Good God, that one-timer he had off a perfect, perfectly executed feed right into his wheelhouse from D'Angelo. And that absolute cannon he had in that first game was just gorgeous. I I mean, we've said this before. I think if Teravine had wanted to, he could score 35 goals in the NHL pretty easily. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, one thing I'd really mention from the first two games here is that there hasn't really been – there hasn't been any passengers. I think everybody has been very effective. I think everybody has been very involved, um, yeah. you know, not, not just with the forward group, but with the defense and Freddie Anderson's obviously been brilliant. Um, I, I think it's been a very cohesive group. I mean, you know, Jesper Foss is already on two goals. Jordan Martinuk has found the net. Yeah, I mean, if Foss you're going to get great. Yeah, he, he has. And I've, I've been, I've been a, like, not, I wouldn't say a hater, but I've been, You've been a critical of him in the past. Yeah, yeah, critical. I've been a questioner, but you know, if he can play like this, I mean, my God, and you know, if the Hurricanes can continue getting uh, getting contributions from guys like Martin, guys like Faust, um, you know, even Derek Stepan, I was question, I was a bit critical of him too. I questioned the addition, but he's been fine. He's actually been pretty good, and yeah. you know, if they if they can continue to get consistently effective play from every single guy in their lineup. I mean, just the sky is the limit for this group. Right. And, and to your point, you know, I think it was Jordan Martin that was talking about how last year, like the new guys couldn't really get acclimated 
like he would have wanted them to sort of, you know, they don't get like the team dinners and stuff like they're doing again now. Yeah. And now these guys are probably just a little bit more comfortable. So guys that are in their second year, like Gasper Faust might, you know, you might see a little bit different of a player here, more comfortable, more used to his surroundings. And he might have a much better season than he did last year. And one other thing about, um, you know, you're talking about how fluid the lineup has been and just um, how much contributions they're getting from up and down the lineup. You know, one thing we talked about a lot was I think even though the defense lost Dougie Hamilton, it's going to be a better unit as a whole because of the third pairing. Listen to the ice time distribution right now. You've got Pesci's leading at just over 23 minutes. Slavin's at 22 and a half. Um, D'Angelo's just under 16. Ethan Bear's a little at about 18 and a half. Cole is at 13 and a half. And Brady Shea is at 21. So it's like that's going to make Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and all those guys more effective because the ice time distribution is so much better than it has been in years past, you know, in a tight game that the hurricanes have like a one goal lead in Jake Bean's not going to see the ice. And now you can roll, you can put Ian Cole out there against a lot of people, you know, and maybe you want to shelter that still because he's got Tony D'Angelo as a partner and D'Angelo still needs to be sheltered a bit, even though I do think he's actually been pretty good defensively for the most part. But that's just going to make your entire unit as a whole so much better because you have three pairings that you can truly rely on in most situations. Yeah, and, you know, especially as the season goes on, as you as games get tighter oh, yeah. and, you know, coming to the playoffs, I mean, you're going to want to be able to lean on your top guys. So if they're fresher throughout the season because of the depth you have throughout your lineup, I mean, it's definitely going to benefit you in the long haul. And I think everybody has a very defined role defensively. Like, we're not expecting – and I'm hoping that, you know, Ian Cole doesn't get the same vibe that Yanni Hockenpah and Joel Edmondson got when they finally became acclimated in the Hurricanes defense where these guys thought they were like some kind of offensive catalysts. And you'd see <laughs> Yanni Hockenpah down in the corner of the offensive zone and Jake Bean back one-on-one defending. It's like, you know, I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping we don't get a repeat of that um, because it, it just looks like everyone has such a clearly defined role. And if the, these guys can stay healthy, I mean, that's the biggest question, but you know, with this unit, man, if these guys can continue to grow together and and everyone continues to, you know, play their role, I think that, you know, it's it's one of the deepest groups in the league. And, you know, there's not really a weak link in there. All right. Well, that's just about all we've got for the first two games. Obviously, it's a small sample size. So, you know, <laughs> 80 games left. We uh, a lot of these things can and probably will change. But, uh, you know, as far as getting off to a hot start, I don't think the Hurricanes could ask for much better. Um, yeah. So Alex is going to bow out now. I am going to go get some food, and I will be back shortly with the estranged member of the Track in the Storm podcast. Before we change gears here, we are a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So let's take a moment and get a quick word from DraftKings. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. Now customers can bet just $5 for any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Part two of the podcast is underway. Oh, man. Um, I am here with the estranged third member of our podcast, <laughs> Matthew Soma. You guys have no idea how much of a logistical nightmare it was to bring you this pod this week. <laughs> hey, all that matters is that they get to hear my voice the entire time and all three of us are showing up. Yeah, well. Makes for a great episode right there. It's good that your ego gets a little bit of a, a stroke there this week, I guess. My ego, having no issues. You see that, you see that <laughs> no God. posted on, on, my, on my Twitter? Yeah, that right. was an ego boost, yeah. I'm sure. Ego's fine. <laughs> um oh man what a what a week yeah yeah it's been uh really really fucking boring i mean we've had two games and then we went like three days without hockey but Those you know games were last week well that's what i'm saying like you know it's been a week since we've recorded <laughs> yeah well, okay yeah so what a week since we since recorded Two uh, very exciting games. Alex and I have already given our thoughts. So actually, if you just want to go ahead and uh, pack onto that. Oh, sure. Um, Man, the Islanders game was just like a very on-brand Hurricanes versus Islanders game. And it was very boring. And then somebody would score. (laughs) And then it would be very boring. And then another team would score. And then, you know, it just kind of went back and forth between like being very dull which is how the islanders play right they're the epitome of low event hockey honestly not that impressive as the season has shown in the early going and then the game against nashville was just kind of we we took a step back into the 80s and and i thought anderson looked a lot better which was awesome i think he really needed that uh boost and i thought the rest of the team was bad like i'm gonna be pretty honest it was a very flat effort and i think the hurricanes still struggle a little more than i'd like against the more physical teams um or at least certain lines and pairings do i'm not advocating for us to put like jordan martinook with aho and Teravainen, please i've seen enough of that but there is something to be said when your, you know, physical checking lines like the Jordan Stahl line are your best lines, right? Right. So I think I, I saw a lot of people, and granted, whenever we see Martin Okaho and Tara Vinen together, the instant like reaction is like, what the hell is Brenda Moore doing? <laughs> I think what I've come to realize is that Aho and Tara Vinen are not physical players and very few players that we put with them are except for Svetch, but he takes penalties when he's physical. So, you know, but so I think what he's doing is he's trying to give them a bit of a physical line so that that line can do something. Right. I think, I think that's for him. Like it, it has, yeah. a purpose. I think that's what it is. And if it's just in like one game, Okay, sure. You know, like 
you're you want to play the matchups and i think you know that it worked for the most part in that game but i definitely don't want to see martin ogaho teravinen as a consistent thing i think i'd i'd rather you know watch junior hockey <laughs> right and, and one thing you know i i didn't really make this point earlier when alex and i were talking but i i think those first two games more than anything like yeah, it's a two game sample and you really can't take that much from it, but it it really just displayed like to me anyway, the depth and the upside of this team. Like not very many people are going to be able to match up with the hurricanes in the top nine, especially, you know, it's, it's a lot like Tampa Bay has been in recent years. Like at some point, like who the hell are you going to match up with them? You know? And especially that Islanders game, man, it, it just seemed like there was just, it was too much for an elite defensive team to handle really. Yeah. And um, you know, as Kakaniemi continues to get acclimated and as the hurricanes in general, with so many new faces continue to grow as a group, I think we're just going to see it get better and better. And, you know, really the sky's the limit for this team. Like it's early in the year to be talking Stanley cup, but like, that's what this team should be aiming for. And I really feel like this year, it just feels very plausible. Yeah, that's what they're built for, not even what they're aiming for. This team is built to win a Stanley Cup. They've seen, you know, that depth wins you championships, right? We we saw Tampa, and now, you know, they've lost a lot of their depth players. We're wondering how good that's going to be. And you said, you know, depth-wise, the team's top nine is going to be hard to beat. I'd argue that the entire team's forward core is tough to beat around the league in terms of depth. Yeah, I think Lorenzo, this might be... uh, he's had a lot of jump and Stepan has looked really good too. So even that fourth line, to your point, like matched up with other fourth lines, they're going to be a handful. And Martinuk's been fine. I think he's been, yeah. I, I'd even say, I, I'd even Look say that he's been good. Yeah. Like I know Martinuk had a rough season last year. And I think he might've been hurt. I, I think he's like healthy now. And like, I think, a, I think the condensed schedule forced a lot of players to play with something that they probably could have rested off had it been a normal year if that makes any sense yeah like trocheck had his little bugs um obviously you know gardner and we wish him the best too um aho i'm sure wasn't healthy but you know I, i think that's exactly what it is is just you know this year players will have a little bit more time to rest and this this especially coming off of a game against nashville it's probably nice to, you know, let those bruises heal a little bit because Nashville is a physical team. Yeah, they're tough to play against. And Nashville's probably going to overachieve because they don't have any real finish outside of like maybe four players on their team. But my God, will they just wear you down? And they'd rather give minutes to Rock or Romaldi than, you know, Phil Tomasino and uh, Cody Glass. But, you know, that's another story. You know, I don't hate Rocco Grimaldi, actually. He's, he's actually got a little bit of finishing to what you were just I saying. think if he was put, sneaky good. He's one of those guys that's probably played a little higher than he should be. But I think that he's at least an okay third line player. Yeah. yeah. I always it's hold just, a little guy, too. So, you know. Yeah, exactly. A little boost for me. But yeah, I, I think I think the Canes look deep. I'm gonna say this, and it's gonna ignite a Twitter storm because you know whatever. But I, we've we've agreed to be objective on this podcast, 
And I can't just sit here and say D'Angelo was bad in the first game because he wasn't. He was good, right? Like he had a good game and then he did struggle against a more physical team as the pretty much rest of the Hurricanes did, you know, against Nashville. But objectively speaking, he had a good game against the Islanders, which at least bodes well for this season, right? I think that you can say that and hopefully people will be rational, you know. I'm at the point where I'm going to just talk about the game and, you know, he's part of the team. And if he helps, I'm going to talk about it. And I'm tired of the disclaimers of, oh, I hate him as a person, whatever. At this point, like he's on the team, like we have to talk about him if we're going. All right, to I feel like we've made it known that we don't like the. I don't. Yeah. I feel like we've made it we're known that we don't like the signing and that, like, you know, we think the team might have taken a step back, but at the same time, we can't ignore him forever, right? Yeah. <laughs> he's part of the hockey team. Yeah, and if so, he continues to play really well on the ice and uh, keeps his shit together, then. Okay. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. The, the Canes benefit. The Canes benefit, and the fan base, you know, is still needs to shoot itself in the face. But that's okay. Justifiably upset about the signing because the guy, you know, has his past. Right. And I can still be mad about you know or not like the fact that the Hurricanes signed him because I still don't. I still would have liked to have not seen them sign him. But yeah. at this point, what can we really do? <laughs> I do want to ask if he's. Like I do, I do want somebody to ask if he's heard of the, the guy that's getting a push in WWE right now, whose name is also Tony D'Angelo, mm-hmm. who wrestles in, not only an undershirt but velour sweatpants, with the gold chain. Come, he comes out and he comes out in the full like velour, like basically tracksuit, <laughs> and he brought he tries to bribe the ref before every match right he tries to like you know mafia style slip them like a dollar what the hell? this shit's hilarious <laughs> like one of the like the, the whole bit this week was like one of the producers disappeared after like talking to him and he was like i don't know nothing about that now speaking of which here's some money now you know go get yourself something nice and forget forget about it forget i'm about just like it. this forget like, the whole character's a meme and i just want to know like why <laughs> but yeah sounds like a great storm surge idea to me <laughs> just everybody with the pinched hands just waving them back and forth instead of clapping <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, but yeah i i think the canes are in a good spot and i'm 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 looking forward to the montreal game both from a memeing standpoint and from this is the Hurricanes' first, like, trap game of the season, so let's see what happens. You know, like, Montreal is 0-4 and has scored three goals in their first four games, meaning one of two things. The Hurricanes are either absolutely going to curb stomp the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I'm talking, like, steamrolling. Like, Montreal fans will be crying about Jesperi Kotkaniemi for, like, weeks because of this loss. More so than usual, of course. Or the Hurricanes are going to lose two to one in the shootout after outshooting the opponent forty-five to nineteen, and Montreal fans are going to be a different type of insufferable for the next week. I can't disagree with any of that. 
So I'm I'm, I'm excited a little bit. It'll be interesting bit, to watch. I mean, Terry yeah. and Ajo, you see who's on their wing, right? I wonder if is he is he? I haven't actually looked. It's okay, Kak- well, Kak- at least in practice today, it was Kakanian. he deserves it. He he does deserve at least another couple of games on that line before you take him off. I think. Yeah, and I or, think it was was it KK Aho Natchez before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. And then then the okay. last game they shuffled it around and put Natchez and Sveshnikov together, and that's what got them that uh big goal in the third period. Yeah, I, and I like Natchez and Sveshnikov as a pairing. I do too. They have good chemistry. To, as opposed to um, Natchez with Aho, I think. Yeah. But I um, like Teravainen. That Trochek Teravainen Sveshnikov line was money too. To be fair. If the Canes blend their lines, we're still going to have some absolute money. Yeah. Which I, I think, like, it's good because, like, Derek Stepan, if he needs to move up in the lineup, is at least going to be okay, right? We're not going to have to deal with top six Warren Fogel. Thank God. The Hurricanes, if there's an injury or if one player is maybe having a bad game, say, like, Natchez for whatever reason struggling. Oh, no, I guess we've got to move Natchez down and, you know, Bring up Nino Niederreiter. Speaking of which, I think Nino's been good. Uh, yeah, Nino's looked really good. He's kind of looked like that same power forward, just really, really solid all-around player that he was last year. And, you know, Alex said it the other day. I, 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 he was doing a little, you know, ask me question thing on uh, Yeah, he, he was stealing myself and Kane Stats' bit. <laughs> yeah, um, but he was saying that, Nino is actually his top priority next offseason, not including Natchez, who's a restricted free agent. But um, right uh, of the two, Trocek, him yeah. and Trocek, yeah. Which I'm I, not I, sure I'm quite there, but I understand the argument at the same time. I think Nino would be cheaper. Yes, that's and that's important. I think with Trocek, you're pro- how much is Trocek making now? Do you know? I think it's around five. If I could be wrong though. Uh, I think I want to say you're right. He, yeah, he's making four seven five. Yeah, and Nino is making five two five. I think you That'll can probably, probably get Nino for around five ish, depending on the season he has, because he's also a little older, right? But Trocek, I think, since he's going to, I think he's going to turn twenty nine relatively soon like he's gonna want that paycheck and i think you know i think that he's gonna want a little bit more than what nino could make and a little longer so right there is a case to be made for both though i think what trocek brings to the team is almost just as valuable as what nino brings if not more but again the hurricanes for the Hurricanes, it's going to come down to which player do they think can give them the most wins while not sacrificing. Anything. Well, and, and that, but if they let Trocek go, like it's just to me the question becomes: Who's your second line center next year? Like, is it Natchez? Do you try to move him back to the middle? Because at this point, you put Natchez like, there and then put a certain uh, Seth Jarvis. Yeah, well, on the right wing. And that's kind of my question. It's like he's got to somehow factor in. And maybe you're right. Like Natchez becomes the Trocek replacement and Jarvis becomes the Natchez replacement, which I think. Or, and Brandon, please keep your waist below camera level when I say this. Second line center, Jameson Reese. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah see? I'll be right back. Yeah, see, that's that's why I, I had to make that request beforehand. Like, <laughs> it, it could happen. 
Uh, Reese is going to be on the third line, if not the fourth, when he breaks. Yeah, it. I, I, I think more. he's going to he's going to play. You know, he's he's going to be like in that Warren Fogle role. Yeah, not the same player, but like you know, the guy who you can plug in anywhere in the lineup, and he's going to do right. just fine. Yeah. Now with Fogle, he wouldn't do just fine, but Reese will. If that right. makes if that makes any sense, like if you guys are kind of following, Reese can still make the offensive players around him better. Exactly. Reese isn't going to be a void of offense, right? And where where offense goes to die, any sort of rush will not die as soon as the puck touches his stick. This isn't an Eric Stahl breakaway we're talking about. (laughs) Speaking of Reese, we heard any updates on him? Uh, Four to six weeks, he had surgery. No, that sucks. So I think we're on week one of four to six. So. Well, obviously, we wish him the best for health as well. Um, while we're on the topic of players' health, Carey Price, we want to wish him the best um, sure. in his his recovery. It's a it's a big deal doing that, and uh, it, it takes a lot for for a person to admittedly like go through that. So, um, you know, all, all respect to him. Wishes that he gets the health that he needs, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so I guess now would be a good time to talk about prospects. I mean, uh, the Chicago Wolves begin their season with a loss to the Rockford Ice Hogs, which is brand and gimmick infringement on Stormy. Yeah. Um, I didn't get to watch that game until after the fact, um, just because I, I think I was watching both the Canes game that night and I want to say uh, at least one junior hockey game. <laughs> so there was a lot of hockey going on that night in, in uh, this household. But I did get to watch it after the fact. And I thought Suzuki looked really good. I think his defensive game is coming along very nicely. And he's getting penalty kill minutes, which is wonderful. Um and he's a player, I, I wrote about it for, for Kane's Country um, today when we're recording this. And basically just said, Suzuki's fine. In a normal year, this would be his first pro season, right? And he was always going to take a little bit more time because of how, not necessarily one-dimensional, but one-sided. He, he had a very strong offensive game and his Goal scoring was coming along very nicely. And then he gets partially blinded in one eye. Finally recovers from that. Gets traded to a new team with a totally different system. Like night and day from what his old team had been. Just starts to round into form and is becoming the one of the top OHL players. Boom. COVID season canceled the next year he's waiting. He has to wait almost a year to play hockey games again. And when he does, it's a watered down version of the AHL. It's not quite the level of competition we're used to seeing in the AHL, but it's still very good. And it's still a league that probably he wasn't ready for. And he still does okay. And, you know, has his production, but this is his first real season, and it's the first full season he's had as a member of this organization. Yeah. Knock on wood, of course. So 
I think he's progressing well. A lot of scouts are like, oh, he hasn't progressed at all. And it's just not true. You haven't like taken into the fact that he literally had to recover from being blind. And just just going to wave my hands here just because everything else that's gone on in the world since March 2020. Right. <clears throat> and he's still found a way to round out his game and polish a lot of the areas that I thought were very raw. So... I think Suzuki's doing fine. I still think he's going to be a very good prospect. But like I said, I don't think he has that truly elite level to his game. He's just going to be a very good player. Yeah. And speaking of the Wolves, like, can we just talk about how bad Eric Jelena can be at times? He's, he's, he's very, very, he's not very mobile. No, and he's not very good defensively. Yeah. He scored a goal um, in that game, and everybody's talking about that. And uh, myself and, well, it was funny, Nick in the Discord for the Canes fans that I'm in <laughs> saying during the game, he was like, my God, Jelena's terrible. He's He's been directly responsible for three goals against tonight. And then as soon as he sends that last message, Jelena scores. <laughs> But a lot of people are focused on the the scoring part of it without realizing that yeah, Jelena just struggles. And the nice thing about Chicago is they've got the depth to uh, make up for that if he's playing poorly too. Yeah. But I don't know. I haven't gotten to – I didn't get to see too much from our prospects in that game. A lot of them – It'll be interesting to see what happens when uh, Ryan or when Jamison Reese comes back because there already wasn't a spot in that lineup for Blake Murray. So I'm wondering if he starts in the uh, ECHL with Norfolk. But uh, oh, Beck Warm got sent down. Yeah, R.I.P. Beck Warm. (laughs) I think I I think that four game was always kind of the four game sample he started with it earned him that contract was always a bit of a mirage, but I was kind of surprised that he kind of came down this hard, you know, he's not been very good since those initial games, really. I think when, when he signed with the hurricanes, I was the first to say like, Hey, you know, he had a good couple of games and he might be a decent AHL goalie. Like let's pump the brakes on back warm being the third third string goalie for the hurricanes <laughs> like let's let's pump the brakes on that a little bit um warm was poor in the prospects showcase he was he was cold yeah he he was very cold and um he was not on his uh midnight vultures level of play which is beck's best album by the way um you can fight me about that in the comments if you want. Midnight Vultures is the best album that Beck has ever produced. But um, I'm not going to argue with you about Beck albums because I don't like Beck. Oh, well, you're just a person that doesn't have ears. Uncultured um, swine. What'd you say? Uncultured swine. <laughs> you are, man. I do. I will kind of miss that bit because like nobody really liked it, but it always made me laugh. But yeah, I, I think the Beck Warm experiment has maybe yielded less fruit than people initially thought i think it was worth a contract i think he was if the or if the wolves sign a player it's chances are they've at least spoken to the hurricanes about this player right um 
And so I think that if Warren played better in the prospects showcase, he would have at least made a better case for himself. And then he just doesn't do well in the preseason either. He has a very rough game and Maki Niemi looks fairly solid, albeit not being tested all that often. So I obviously wish that he can find his game. I, I'm happy for Maki Niemi because I do think there's more of a future there. There's more of an upside. Yeah. But um, we'll have to see. The Wolves game on Friday is uh, free on AHL TV. Oh, that's good to know. It's so um, if you guys want to watch them play, I don't know if Maki Niemi is starting yet, but you will get to see a lot of former Wolves because they're playing Milwaukee, who we split an affiliate with last year. So. I think it's good. I think Makiniemi has more of an NHL shot than Warm ever did, so I'm happy to see that he's not starting in the ECHL. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Makiniemi definitely has a legit upside in the NHL, and hell, at this point, I'm guessing Alex Lyon would be the first call up if injuries were to strike, but uh, Makiniemi might get some consideration at least. Yeah, I don't think so. Not this season, at least. Um, because I think Lion, I think Lion has NHL experience. I could he be wrong. He a little bit, a few games at least. Yeah, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think he at least has a handful of games. And so that would make him the more likely call up. Yeah, he has 22 starts for the Flyers okay. over four seasons. So again, not much, and his results have been mixed because the flyers defense has been a giant shrug for the past like three years but he could be fine he could at least warm the bench but i think makiniemi with him you just want him to get starts and with lion you've signed the guy knowing that he is an ahl player an ahl goalie first and a call-up option if necessary, right? Right. With Makiniemi, you, you have a guy who you hope can be an NHL goalie someday, but that will need more time to develop in order to get that to happen. Yeah, but at the so, same time, it might be like they're doing with Jarvis now. You get him up here, you let him sit around and see what it's like for a few days and practice with the team. And it's, especially if it's a minor injury where the guy's just going to miss like a couple of games so you can have Anderson slash Ranta start every time, maybe yeah i i'd say if it happens and there's like two games a week and they're both like home games you know so like the canes play on tuesday and thursday right and then immediately after thursday he heads to chicago to play in that game right i think that could i think that might be an option but for goalies it's different because you want them to get starts because they already play less than the forwards do and the defensemen so that's it's so t- goalie development is so tough, man. Because you really just don't know what to expect. Yeah, I mean, hell, I, I was I was joking to myself today, but then I realized like <laughs> it could happen. I'm not saying it's likely, but like Jay Kuharski could be the Hurricanes' best goalie prospect. Like you just never know. And for what it's worth, he looked great against UMass on Saturday. We won't talk about Friday's game, but Saturday was good. How's uh how's Kajakov doing? I think he's hurt. Again. Damn. Yeah, I think I think it's uh just like a nagging injury. Like just a minor one that they're resting him for. But he was doing really well before like 
his team decided to start the same goalie in a row without listing him as the backup. So I think he's just hurt. All right. Last question. When are we going to see Seth Jarvis? I don't know. Is tomorrow night a good opportunity to get him in the lineup? If I'm judging based off of this past week of practices, no, because he hasn't played on a steady line. It's going to happen. From standpoint, though, it seems like a good, a good time to me. I mean... It does. It's just... I don't hate giving him more experience with the team. And I think this is probably better than playing in the WHL's U.S. division right now. Because I can tell you, without a doubt, the WHL's U.S. division is terrible. We They're do get so Columbus bad. on Saturday, too. And I'm thinking that might be a better team for him to play against. I don't know. I don't well, think... Let's just look at the, the upcoming schedule you get at Montreal and at Columbus, and then you come home for the last four games of October here against the Maple Leafs, the Bruins, no. The, Black, <laughs> yeah. the Blackhawks, maybe, and then the Arizona Coyotes. That would be a good game, but then... That's October 31st. That's Halloween. That's like a full month of him just sitting around. Or not a full month. It's about two weeks. But Yeah, in an ideal world, um, the three games you put him in are uh, Columbus, Chicago, and Arizona. Because sometimes players just need that confidence boost. And those games can give it to you, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think Columbus is going to be as bad as we're expecting them to be, but I still think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the Metro. Um, I think, I think you know what, Jarvis will play. I don't know if it's going to be this weekend, but he will absolutely play one game during that homestand. I hope to God it's not versus Florida or the Bruins, because that's like tossing somebody right into, right into the fire. Right. But... I am cautiously optimistic for Jarvis. I have no expectations whatsoever. Like, I am basically expecting Seth Jarvis to be okay. Yeah. He's going to make a few things happen. He's not going to connect on a few passes, but they're going to look really nice. And then... Hopefully he scores and hopefully he records his first points, but if he doesn't, you know, whatever, it's fine. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I still think if Jarvis doesn't look good in the NHL right now, obviously it's not the time to panic. I just think, you know what, we need to give him more time. And as we saw with Drury, he, he looked all right. And then, when NHL regulars started coming into the lineup, you noticed guys like Drury and Jarvis a lot less. Yeah. So there's something to be said about giving Jarvis these extra couple practices in. Folks, we want to thank you for listening to this week's podcast episode. Uh, A very weird and disjointed episode because scheduling is a nightmare. Um, We appreciate you for supporting us though. And, uh, you know what through two games i'm feeling okay about this team i think i think we're gonna be all right i think the doom and gloom has worn off and i'm realizing this is still a damn good hockey team i don't know what brandon thinks he nodded just so you know (laughs) 
I already said it multiple times on the podcast. Yeah, I know. Okay. I'm just, it's just for the bit, man. Come on. And folks, you know what? In spite what those bastards up in Montreal, Quebec want us to think, it is still a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. Pew, 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 pew.